Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Is there anyone in this room who has ever heard of something called the Rosito Effect? I'm just curious if there's even one person, because it's not, it's not something that I knew much about, but it's pretty intriguing. The Rosito Effect was first learned about in the year 1962, and it's, it's named after a small town in Pennsylvania. 1962, in a scene that looked like something out of the, the, the latest plague movie, a bunch of federal and state government investigators descended on this little town of Rosito, Pennsylvania. And normally in those movies, it's about something, some dangerous virus or, or something that people are worried about is going to spread to all of us, and so they have to study it and figure out the antidote. But this was the opposite. In, in some conversations between physicians and surgeons, it had been learned that the people of Rosito, Pennsylvania, in this very isolated little burg, had a longer life expectancy than the towns and cities around them. In fact, than the national average. That there were far fewer heart attacks happening. And one of the most unusual things, I'm sure many of you know this, women typically outlive men, but in Rosito, Pennsylvania, there were more widowers than there were widows. That had to do with the heart disease thing, I'm sure. So these investigators came to Rosito, Pennsylvania to try to figure out why were people living longer, why were there far fewer heart attacks in this city, and they, they began to go through the data, and, and they went through the, the normal things you'd expect them to, they went through diet. Many Rositans were from Italy, so they at first assumed it must have to do with something in their Mediterranean diet, but then they looked at what the Rositans were actually doing, and they discovered that they were specialists in deep-fried sausages and meatballs. <laughs> These people loved their deep-fried sausages and meatballs, not fried, by the way, in olive oil or coconut or, or something like that. Fried in lard. Oh, yeah. They also love salami and cheese, by the way. So their cholesterol levels should have been off the charts. It wasn't their healthy lifestyle habits either. This was 1962, and the men loved to have their imported Italian cigars and smoked them like smokestacks. And both the men and the women really loved their wine and drank copious amounts of wine every day. This is something they had learned from their Italian heritage, I'm sure. So it wasn't lifestyle, and it wasn't their workplaces. Many of the Rositans were miners and worked in the local quarries, they, they breathed constantly, every day, they breathed in dust and other things that I'm sure were toxic. And the, and the researchers realized, hmm, there's something crazy about this because they're, they're even working in a very undesirable workplace. 
They thought maybe it was a little bit less life stress in small town Rosito. But as they looked at it a little bit more closely, they realized that these new immigrants from Italy were often under attack from their neighbors. There were, in nearby towns, English and Welsh miners who didn't much appreciate these Italian people moving into their territory, and so they would say all sorts of unkind things about their ethnic background. And yet, the the people of Rosito never had it in them to fight back or resist this. They tended to leave others alone. In fact, in Rosito, there was a zero crime rate and absolutely no files for social assistance. It was incredible. Now, how, how did this happen? Aren't you curious about the one single factor that after 30 years of scientists studying this small town of Rosito, they discovered and decided this is why people have less heart attacks and why they're living longer. You know what the one single effect was? Those of you who have already looked it up on Wikipedia know. (laughs) It was community. They had a very, very strong sense of togetherness in this little town. Very strong bonds of family and friendship existed in Rosito. The head of the research team wrote this comment in his report. In terms of preventing heart disease, it's just possible that morale is more important than jogging or not eating butter. Morale brought about by this feeling of community that the people have in Rosito. The key to Rosito's health and longevity was the total avoidance of isolated individuals who were crushed by the problems of everyday life. Rositans, regardless of income and education, express themselves in a family and community-centered social life. The families were close-knit. Self-independent, they could take care of their, their own needs and support themselves, but they were also interdependent with the other families in Rosito. And in tough times, those families relied on each other in the greater community for well-defined assistance and friendly help for their well-being. No one who lived in Rosito was ever alone. Isn't that incredible? It's, It's incredible to think about the power, the sheer power of community and togetherness. In fact, the researchers were struck by the fact that in Rosito, There was no such thing as keeping up with the Joneses because all the houses were packed tightly together, were all built pretty much the same, and the Rosetans had a value system of no one flashing their wealth around. And they didn't want to do that because they realized that once they started to flash their wealth around, they separated themselves from the community 
and made others jealous and hurt and upset with them. Everyone lived on a very similar financial plane. And I want to encourage you, I'm not going to do this today, but I want to encourage you to go back. You can write this down in your crosswalk notes, a couple of references. Go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. You can read that at home today or maybe in your growth group. Go back to Acts chapter 4 and read what that community of Christians was like in the early church, and you're going to find a very, very similar picture of the familiness and the community-based approach of the early Christ followers. Today, we're talking about the joys of caravanning, and, and, and really, I could retitle that simply to the joy of being families coming together to take this journey together. It's all about community today. And I want you at the end of the message quite simply to ask if there was just one thing I could do to make this life better and make it more sure that I arrive in the next life for eternity to enjoy that eternity with God forever in heaven, what would it be? What would that one change be? I'll I'll let you guess at what it might be as we go through the rest of this message. Caravanning requires that we be sure of our destination and be sure of who is coming along with us, doesn't it? Have you ever taken a a caravanning vacation? I've done it many times. We love going together with other families to take a vacation and several cars and you're going to all the same destinations together. It's awesome and amazing to be able to share those experiences and families bond and they become closer and the trip becomes more fun. And when tough things happen, you have each other's back. And that's what we want to talk about today as we as a church determine whether or not we want our families caravanning together for the health of our families, the strength of our families, for the purpose of arriving at a common destination called heaven together. Let's face it, families in our world today are struggling. We hurt many of us in our families, and we're isolated. Two authors actually wrote a book about Rosito, and they called it The Power of Clan. And the reason they wrote this book, The Power of Clan, is because they were researchers who had studied our culture and society for the past generation, about 25 years. And they found that in those last 25 years, there's been an increasing emphasis in our culture on individualism and materialism. In fact, they found that our families are in every way under attack by our culture. And we as Christians know it's not just culture, is it? It's not just the world around us. Because Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 6 and says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the dark forces of the spiritual realm. We know that Satan is also fighting to pull our families apart. 
I mentioned to you that in the book of Acts, you can get some great descriptions of what the early church looked like, but today I want to take you into Romans chapter 16 to show you another example of what the early church looked like, what, what Paul, what Paul uh, said to the Romans at the very end of this letter where he emphasizes his bonds of affection and love and togetherness with the Romans. So pull out your crosswalk notes. Let's look at these together. And we find a very interesting thing in the, in the book of Romans. And that is longer than any other place in the New Testament to a place that Paul had never yet physically been. Paul writes a long list of greetings to these people. And as we go through this, I want you to notice two things. Always Paul is talking about how the church has given these people purpose, and the church has given them community. Let's take a look. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Underline those words. Rufus should know, as you should know, as I should know, that the Lord himself has chosen us to be his own. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Interesting that Rufus's mom saw Paul somewhere along the lines, even though Paul had never been in Rome, and treated Paul as her own son. She found purpose and meaning in helping Paul. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. What's really interesting about Romans chapter 16 is how long the list of women is in this chapter that Paul greets. Clearly showing that women played an important role and purpose in the early days of the church, that they were leaders and helpers and servants within the church and found their purpose in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. All the churches here in Corinth, in Greece, in Macedonia, in Asia, they join together with you in this massive community to say, we greet you. Now, we skip a few verses and we come to verse 21. And he lists specific individuals who are with him as he writes this letter from Corinth. He says, Timothy, my co-worker. Timothy, too, has found his purpose and meaning in coming alongside of me and teaming up with me. My co-worker sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. What's interesting about that phrase, you can underline that, if you go back to the original Greek, the word that is translated here, my fellow Jews, could actually be translated my kinsmen or my cousins. It's quite possible that, that Paul had his physical family also wrapped up within his spiritual family as many of us do. And that's going to be an important point later on. 
I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, Tertius was the name of, of the amanuensis, as it was called, or secretary, who wrote for Paul as he dictated. He greets the people of Rome in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy. Imagine, here was this man. He must have been pretty wealthy, named Gaius. And he was letting his home be used, not only by Paul, but Paul says, the whole church in this massive act of hospitality, Gaius had opened up his home to the church in Corinth. And Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, that's also an interesting translation because that might be accurate, but it also might mean the city's treasurer, and it even might mean the city's mayor. And our brother Cordus sends you their greetings. Can you see what's going on here? This was a group of people that, whether they were distant or close, were determined to love one another, help one another, make sure that they hung together in community. Now, in one sense, this came naturally for those whom Christ had called because the Bible tells us that when Christ enters our hearts through the power of the word of God, through the gospel, when Christ enters our hearts, the Holy Spirit comes with him. And there is a natural bonding effect that comes about through belief in the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit that pulls us together and factually makes us family in the sight of God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are my brother or my sister and you are the brother and the sister to every other believer in Jesus Christ in this room. The Bible tells us whether or not we can see it or feel it or touch it, this is a relationship that goes above and beyond even a blood relationship, even a physical relationship. This is at the core a soul relationship between all of us that Jesus bought with his own blood. This is part of the gospel message. Often when we talk about the gospel message, we talk about how Jesus brought us back into community with God by sacrificing his life on the cross. There was a divide caused by sin. But Jesus, through the power of the cross and the empty tomb, bridged that divide between God and us so that we are no longer at war with God and he is no longer at war with us, but we are together. He is our father. We are his children. But sometimes ignored in the gospel as an amazing gift of the gospel is this gift of community. Not only does, does Christ's death and resurrection, the shedding of his blood, reconcile us with God, it reconciles us with one another and connects us with one another in this amazing community we call the church, the family of God. What a gift we have to know that other people have our backs. And that is exactly the gift that produced the Rosito effect in that little town. We have it too here in this modern world, but do we make use of it? 
Do we realize it? See, the Romans had a little bit of trouble with that too. Realize that when we come to faith, we're given this community. It becomes a reality in the moment we believe. But all of us still have sin in our hearts. We still have a sinful nature that we battle every day. We can still be self-centered and selfish. And for that reason, we're tempted at times to isolate ourselves to in a fit of anger or about with pride, divide our families, divide from our Christian brothers and sisters. That's why Paul writes what he writes in Romans 12, 9 to 11. Would you read this with me? Love must be sincere. Let's read it out loud together. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You see, what Paul knew was true in Rome. Rome was a hub. And and the Christian faith was bringing people together from all different nationalities, all different ethnicities, all different socioeconomic uh, boundaries. They were all coming together, brought together by faith in Jesus Christ. And he knew that being human and being sinful, sometimes those externals and, and the perceived slights that we sometimes have from one another, the fact that Christians are sinners too, and we can hurt each other. Those things Paul knew had to be constantly battled against to maintain the community that God had already created in their midst. And so he says, Romans, your love for each other must be sincere. Romans, hate evil. Cling to what is good. Cling to it. Grasp it tightly. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Do the opposite of the pride thing. Do the humility thing. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Here's what Paul knew, and you can write this down. Caravanning with our spiritual family will help us stay filled up also in our physical family. Do you want your physical family to be strong and healthy and have fuel for the journey? What Paul's teaching us from the book of Romans is when we stay in community with our spiritual family, the church, we are in that same moment fueling up our physical family and making it easier for that family to to stay strong and on target. I want you to consider a very recent article in the New York Times. It's called Making Modern Toughness. It was written just a few days ago on August 30th. Listen to that title, Making Modern Toughness. How do we, in other words, how do we become tough people, resilient people today? It was written by a gentleman named David Brooks. 
In his view, personal strength is a product of personal significance, which is a product of having other people that you love and who love you in your life. He notes that people are much stronger than they think they are when they're in pursuit of their life's purpose. And he even quotes, he even quotes the nihilist Nietzsche. He says, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. He who has a why to live can bear most anyhow. And then this is, this is the quote that I want you to hear loud and clear. Brooks concludes at the end of his article, we are all fragile, especially when we don't know what our purpose is, when we haven't thrown ourselves with abandon into a social role into a community, in other words, when we haven't committed ourselves to certain people, and and especially this line, I love it, when we feel like a swimmer in an ocean with no edge. Have you ever felt like that swimmer? That you are swimming in an ocean with no edge? You see, the beauty and the reason why God gave us church and community Christian community is that he gave us an ocean with an edge. He gave us a place where we can take the love that he has first poured into us, the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy, the peace, and and not just be cisterns that hold it, but pipes and conduits that, that take it in first and then overflow with it onto others. Otherwise, think about it. And I've even heard people say, Pastor, you seem so passionate about carrying the gospel to the world. That seems like so many people. How are we ever going to accomplish it? And the answer is, we can accomplish it when we realize we have family, we have team, we have an ocean with an edge. We can start right here in our own midst to share the gospel message, the love of Christ, the forgiveness, the grace, the peace that we possess, we can share with each other. And then from there, it overflows into the world, this community, this city called Phoenix, and beyond to places like Mozambique. We can do that because we're a family that's also a team. Before I read on, I want to tell you the rest of the Rosito story. All the way back in 1963, just one year after the investigators had arrived in Rosito, they made a prediction. They told the people of Rosito, if you don't maintain this thing that you've got, this beautiful community that you have, you will lose the health and the longer life that you have. Now, I told you before that the investigators continued to study Rosito for 30 years, and they watched as the people of Rosito drifted. First, they drifted apart from each other, and then they drifted off course with the values that they had brought with them. 
And over the course of 30 years, sadly, exactly what the investigators had predicted began to happen. Only 10 years later, the first person ever in Rosito had a heart attack under age 45. And by the end of the 30 years, when the final report was done in 1993, the Rositans were absolutely no different from any other town or city in America in terms of their health. And the investigators and the researchers had seen it coming. Now, with that in your mind, I want us to read the next section because Paul gives a very similar warning to the Romans. He's greeting them all. He, he, he is urging them to love one another sincerely from the heart. And now he says, please be careful. You have a beautiful thing planted in your midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you're not careful, you can lose it. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience. See, he's saying you've, you've, you've done it by the power of, your Holy, uh, by the, the power of the Holy Spirit. You're in a good place with your community. Everyone's heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul is teaching us something very important. He's teaching us the importance of clinging to the right ideas, to the right teachings and doctrines that are delivered to us by God. Now, I put a little graphic in your notes to illustrate why Paul says this, and I think it's really important. And, and I want you to notice, again, four chapters earlier, Paul has told the Romans, it's very important to think about how you think, and are your thoughts lined up with God's thought? Where, where Paul is in Corinth, he tells the Corinthians, take every thought and make it captive to Jesus Christ. Why so picky about thoughts? Well, here's what I want you to write in the circle, and, and it'll be up there, and it'll explain why Paul says in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, what? Mind. In other words, your thought processes. Up in the upper right-hand corner in the blank, I want you to write event. Then write thoughts in the lower right-hand corner. Write emotions in the lower left-hand corner. And then in the upper left-hand corner, write words and actions. What this is saying, and the reason those errors arrows are there, is that when an event happens in your life, that event triggers a thought. I've, I've shared with you an example before about how my mom got a lot of telemarketer calls near the end of her life. 
And that always triggered a thought of that's another, and my mom had used salty language, that's another blankety-blank telemarketer. And when she picked up the phone, not knowing that it was really me calling, I got blasted. Because the thought led to frustration, led to words and actions. Do you follow what I'm saying? This happens all the time in your life. An event triggers a thought, a way of thinking about things, which then makes you emotional in some way, and then that leads to your words and actions. Now, if you understand this cycle, do you know what the beauty of it is? I hope you take this home with you because it's explaining why our thoughts are so important. If you understand the cycle, you can reverse engineer it. Joda put it up the other way. You can do this. You can look at your words and actions and ask yourself, what was I feeling that caused me to yell at my own son on the phone? Oh, I was frustrated. Why was I frustrated? Because I had the thought in my mind, not knowing it wasn't true, but I had the thought in my mind it was another blankety-blank telemarketer. You see how that works? Now, the beauty of it is, if we can take our thoughts and, and put in thoughts like, love one another sincerely from the heart, if my mom, in the moment of picking up the phone and having the anger, the frustration had said to herself, but Jesus wants me to be kind to everyone as he's been kind to me despite the fact that I'm a sinner. If she'd had that thought, maybe the words and actions would have been differently, done differently. This is so powerful and it shows us why thoughts are important. And it also shows us why accuracy of thoughts are important. Anyone in here a pilot? Okay. I have several pilot friends, and one of the interesting things they've told me is this. For every single one degree that you fly off course, you will miss your target landing spot 92 feet for every mile. That's not so bad in one mile, 92 feet. But it's one mile for every 60 miles flown. And if you decided to start at the equator and fly around the earth, one degree off would pretty soon have you 500 miles off target. In a rocket going to the moon, you'd never make it. You'd be 4,169 miles off just because you're one degree away from the true course. One degree. This is why Paul, writing to the Romans, says it's so important you get it right. Because if I'm on that pilot's plane who's one degree off and I fly from JFK to LAX, do you know where I land? In the Pacific Ocean. I land in the Pacific Ocean by being one degree off. It's so important, brothers and sisters, that we know God's truth, this book, the Bible, inside out, so that we can follow it 
and get our thoughts lined up with God's thinking. Because when we do that, our emotions will line up with God's heart and our words and actions will line up with God's words and actions. And that's why Paul says, in this community of Rome, dear Romans, please cling to the truth of God's word and be accurate about it, fully accurate about it, and don't let anyone drag you even one degree off course. And the beauty of caravanning, if you've ever been in a caravan, is that you can talk together about what the right course is, can't you? You can go back to the compass together and go, okay, which direction do I need to be going? I want you to write this down. Our caravanning companions in life's journey make all the difference in arriving at our desired destination. If we gather together as people of the book and work together to to be together in love and under Christ's love, headed toward heaven, it's far better. That's what Paul's saying. And don't let anyone spoil that for you. Augustine, an early church father, says, you have made us for yourself, Lord. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. You hear that? Lord, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless, Lord, until they find their rest in you. Ultimately, this caravanning thing of us being together as community is first and foremost about us being in community with Jesus Christ. And that's how Paul ends Romans chapter 16. He tells us that the most important thing is that Jesus Christ did not stay isolated, but came down from heaven to be one with us, one with human beings. Isn't it interesting? I want you to think about other religions. And in other religions, what do the most holy people do? They totally isolate themselves. You'll, you'll find them somewhere in Tibet in a monastery that you have to climb to to get to them. They're monks. They're hermits. But Jesus Christ did not do any of that to save you and me. He came down from his throne in heaven to be together with us, to caravan with us. So that being human, he could die a perfect death in our place. And being God, it would be a perfect, without sin, sacrifice. Jesus sets an amazing example, but more than that, far more than an example, he makes it a reality that you and I now, every day, caravan with God. Jesus told the apostles, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Take a look at how Paul concludes Romans chapter 16. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel. You see, if, if you are in the gospel, in this book, the good news of Jesus Christ, you will be established, Paul says, strong. 
The message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, it's all about Jesus, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. By the word, that word Gentiles could be translated nations. It's the same word in Matthew 28 where Jesus says, I want you to go to all nations and make disciples of them. So that all the nations might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to truly go home with. See that diagram? I want you to put in the middle, I want you to put family. What Paul is telling us is your family needs to be wrapped in church. Caravan together with other people of God. So in the second level there, put church. Wrap your family in the family of God. And then ultimately around the outside of that, what Paul is saying here is wrap it all in Jesus Christ. Wrap it all in God. Wrap it all in his love and his forgiveness, his mercy and peace. And when you do that, you've probably seen the little toothpick experiment or the pencil experiment. You take a single pencil. It's easy to snap it, isn't it? Wrap that pencil in other pencils. Now you can't break it even if you try to break it across your leg. It's become strong because it's surrounded by other pencils. Now take those pencils and stick them inside of an iron pipe. God. Will that pencil in the middle ever break now? It won't. It's the same for you. Wrap yourself in the family of God and wrap your family of God in Jesus Christ and you will be strong and you will stay on target. Write that down. Through Jesus, I caravan with God. Through Jesus. That's the only way. When I believe in him as my Lord and Savior, I caravan with God in my church. Then my family stays strong and on target. I promised you at the beginning of this message, I would, I would say, I would answer this question. If I were to make just one change that, had, that would have the strongest possibility of keeping my family strong, and on target in life. Keep it away from drifting the way the Rosetans drifted. What, what would that one decision, that one choice be? Do you know what it is now? It would be the decision to wrap your family in the church family and to wrap your church family in the gospel message of Jesus Christ so that you connect with him by the power of the Holy Spirit and trust him as your Lord and Savior. The one decision to say, I will come to worship regularly. I will be here on Sunday. The decision that says, I will, I will get into what Pastor Jeff described, this, this loop of large group worship on Sunday and small group on the week. I'm gonna wrap my family in the church. I'm going to volunteer and serve. We'll have a whole series about that. And I'm going to wrap my family in this community. And just like the Rosito of 1962, when we do that, we will not just be healthier and stronger for this life. 
we will be healthier and stronger in such a way that we will be led by Jesus Christ to the life to come. And in this life, we will be much, in a spiritual sense, healthier and stronger in our families. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, help us to be devoted to one another in love. Help us to honor one another above ourselves and and surround our physical families with our spiritual family, with our church. Lord, I, I pray that this message will make everyone in this room today think about things like regular worship, like growth group participation, like like volunteering on ministry teams at Crosswalk because that's the way that at this church our families can wrap themselves in this community. But Lord, most of all, I pray that this community called Crosswalk, this church called Crosswalk will always be wrapped in the truths, the solid truths of the scripture and especially the gospel message of Jesus Christ in the cross and the empty tomb. Lord, help us to stay within the iron pipe of your beautiful love and forgiveness so that every day we march one step closer to spending eternity in heaven with you. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. You know, I have to believe that there was a thing back in the first century called the Jerusalem Congregation effect. And as Paul wrote to the Romans, there was a Roman church effect And wouldn't it be awesome if there was something called the crosswalk effect? (laughs) And that's possible. It's possible not so much because of us, although Paul does call on us to love one another sincerely from the heart, but it happens truly because of Jesus Christ and because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And our God is big. And if we will walk in faith in him through Jesus Christ there might just one day be something called the crosswalk effect. Let me send you out with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.